1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for
0: select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Art, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Eva Glischich, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Laura Fram about her new book, Design in Motion, Film Experiments at the Bauhaus, which was published earlier this year with the MIT Press. Now, Laura is Associate Professor of the Humanities humanities at the Department of Art, Film, and Visual Studies at Harvard University. Ram's book explores film and media through the lens of architecture, design, spatial theory, ecological thought, and process philosophy. Laura, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Eva. And thanks for inviting me to this conversation. Uh, We're really excited to have you
1: on the show and to talk about your book, which provides um, really a unique history of film experiments at the Bauhaus, which was the famous art school that operated between 1919 and 1933 and was located in Weimar uh, before it moved to Dessau and later to to Berlin. Um, Now, we usually associate the Bauhaus with the development of modern design and architecture, but your study focuses on film, which you know is an often overlooked aspect of the school's work, um, and you show how the cinematic medium became a proving ground for some of the most innovative Bauhaus work. Now, Laura, tell us a little bit about your background how and how you came uh, into this field of, of, of research and be- became interested in Bauhaus and its use of film.
2: Yes, I'm very happy to do that. Um, so I am a film and media scholar by training, um, but as you already indicated, um, in your very kind introduction is um, that I always uh, considered my work um, to reach into and to sprawl um, across the boundaries of of film and media studies. Um, I've been always interested in how film can leak into the fields of philosophy of music, the visual arts, and in the case of my current book, uh, specifically into the fields of design and architecture. Um, And I think part of this thinking really emerges from um, my academic path um, over the past 18 years, where I've been um, in the context of of very different, but all of them very interdisciplinary uh, research institutes and research programs. Um, Just to give you one example, um, I wrote my dissertation in the context of a transatlantic graduate research program in metropolitan studies, um, which was uh, located in Berlin and New York. So it was a big collaboration of three Berlin and three New York universities. Um, And um, this program really brought together um, urban planners and urban historians, um, anthropologists sociologists and architects. Um, and I was um, usually the only film scholar in the room, um, the only one who worked on film or could, could speak to film in these conversations, um, which I believe uh, an experience like this pushes you constantly to think about the boundaries of your field or it requires you to think about your field and really comprehensive terms, um, adopting a kind of bird's eye view on your field. Um, And coming from um, these different interdisciplinary contexts, um, I've always been interested in the way in which, um, or what happens in this encounter between film and other fields, other modes of thought, other um, ways of of inquiry. Uh, What happens, for example, in the encounter between film and urban space, between film and architecture, between film and design? um, What emerges from this interplay? um, And what happens, most of all, when film comes into this mix? And um, I think this also leads to one of the larger questions that drive my work, which is how film and visual media um, do not only intersect with other fields, uh, such as design, architecture, or urban studies, but um, really more specifically, how do um, film and visual media infuse our notions um, of design, of architecture, um, of the built environment with um, new ideas of motion, of change, of transformation. And I think this is really a question that that drives um, and lies at the heart of my current book, Design in Motion. Yeah, well,
1: uh, it's very interesting when you talk about these different the way that these disciplines um, meet and and interact in in. Various different ways in your work and research. Um, now you open your your book uh, with a discussion um, about uh, Bauhausler, as you call them, is this collective term for term for Bauhaus um, students and um, lectures. And um, they were, you, you know, that they were avid cinema lovers and cinema goers um, even before they started experimenting uh, with with film in in the workshops. Um, what were some of the films that they watched at this? point in time and, and where did they watch them?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic question, um, which also brings me, um, I think, also to the second part of your earlier question, how did I start to work on film at the Bauhaus? And the interesting thing is that, um, as I mentioned, I've, I've worked a lot on uh, film and architecture and those intersections um, in in um, in my dissertation years in earlier book publications Um, and I never really worked on the Bauhaus until uh, until I came to the U.S. and until I um, was asked to give a little lecture on on the Carpenter Center for the Visual Arts, uh, which is where my Department of Art, Film, and Visual Studies um, is, is located, um, and to to offer some insights on um, the Bauhaus, so-called Bauhaus roots of. of my department and and in a way um, it was an unexpected re-encounter with the Bauhaus uh, which had like moved in and out of my work uh, peripherally and also um, it was also in many ways um, a physical encounter in earlier years since I was actually coming to Harvard from the Bauhaus University in Weimar where I um, was a postdoctoral researcher at a media theory um, Institute, the IKKM Weimar. So there were many ways in which the Bauhaus was um, part of, of of the horizon of my work, but always more in the periphery. And then only after moving away from Weimar and after um, uh, after coming to the US, I, I really uh, started um, to return uh, to Bauhaus uh, research. And, and uh, when I started my book, I really I thought I would work on um, a few Bauhaus masters and students um, who were working on film. There was very beginning research that I um, encountered during my years in Weimar, Uh, Thomas Tode, for example, um, a curator and a film historian, uh, started an early film series on Bauhaus and film and invited me uh, to give a short uh, introductory, like a film introduction on Laszlo moholy nahrts film sketch, Dynamic of the Metropolis. Um, so I knew that there was this emerging um, work on Bauhaus and film, and I always thought um, I would perhaps be able to contribute a new perspective or find new materials uh, that would add to this history. Um, what I did not expect, and this is coming back to your question, was that I would find uh, in my like almost eight years of archival research that I would find um, film in so many different places um, at the Bauhaus and that I would find um, such a lively, Discussion of film that was uh, that went far beyond the four or five figures who had previously been associated with film work or what who were known uh, to be interested in film and working with film. Um, so what I found um, while going through letters um, and and uh, diary entries of Paul Heusler. Um, was that there was a huge amount of films that they saw and film exhibitions they attended um there were famous actors and actresses and directors whose um, films they followed and i think there was such a richness and multi-layeredness uh when it comes to the Bauhaus's uh engagement with film that often surprised me and often took uh rather also i uh, will come to that i think uh, later on but very unexpected uh modes of engagement with film and uh you asked about the different um sites of encounter with film and i think there were two different sites that i can speak about a little bit um On the one hand, and especially in the early years, um, Bauhausler really frequented the local cinemas in Weimar and then subsequently in Dessau and in Berlin, um, as you mentioned before, the second and third sites of the Bauhaus. Um, When we look at the letters, for example, of uh, Bauhaus master and painter Lionel Feininger, um, uh, the letters that he wrote to his wife, Julia Feininger, we can really speak of, of a kind of cinemania, um, that swept the Bauhaus in the early 20s, specifically between 22 and 25. Um, in these years, uh, finding our writes about almost daily visits to the cinema, often with some of his fellow Bauhaus artists, especially Paul Klee and Vasily Kandinsky, who was also known in Bauhaus circles to be a film enthusiast. And he sometimes would um, entertain his house guests with reenactments of films that he saw. Um, And I think when reading through Feininger's letters, which were some of the first letters I looked through, and that gave me a sense of the depths of, the engagement with film um what was striking to me was that um he does not only mention film or or writes to his wife um This afternoon, another film with my colleagues and and he even talks about that he um, at some point uh, he wanted to focus more on his work and wrote that he had to um, abstain from uh, the frequent cinema visit for a (laughs) while to focus on his work. But uh, rather than just mentioning films, yeah, the the letters are beautiful. Um, He also writes about it as a kind of transformative encounter um, and the language he uses has a kind of cinematic vitality to it. Um, one film that he he writes about very enthusiastically was an early American travel film called The Westbound Limited um, from 23, which was shown in a local Weimar cinema in 1924, uh, the head Theater and um, which included, according to Finninger, breathtaking travel sequences. Um, he describes it as the sensation of pure speed and cinematic movement. And and I always remember this one quote from the letter where he he writes, "This was." the most beautiful film that I ever saw, at least from my heart. And he describes it almost as a re encounter with his American roots and and uh, that this film provided him like a reflection on his own identity and so forth. And another really um um Fruitful resource to reconstruct um, these these fascinations with film was really Isa Gropius's Bauhaus diary. So the wife of of uh, the Bauhaus founder and first director Walter Gropius, um, she would chronicle frequently write and chronicle um, all events that happened at the Bauhaus, but also at times very. Private considerations um, uh, between her and Gopius. and and there she, um, I was struck by the by the frequency with which she would also like hint at film and and uh, talk about, for example, um, a very enthusiastic uh, encounter with another travel film, and she writes um, last evening at Hell's Lichtspiele. Um, we saw this film american um this speed like this cathartic <laughs> speed and movement, and so there was this fascination they um they tried to attend the famous film, matinee, the absolute film in Berlin in 25. And and she writes with regret that they didn't make it because the previous meeting went too long. So it's also an account of of failures to see films that they were interested in. Um, She also writes about uh, pretty frequently that they were looking at Russian films. And I know this is one of your fields of expertise. So what is really striking, especially in in the late 20s, is how distinctly and deeply Bauhäusler are interested in uh, Soviet montage, cinema, and especially in the films by Eisenstein. Ise Gropius writes about that they watched (laughs) and that they saw a strike, for example. Um, So the interest in in Sergei Eisenstein, and then also specifically um, Digger is is really a golden thread that runs to do the film screenings. Um, they even invite, and this was um, a fantastic uh, thing to find, uh, they even invite Sieger Werthoff himself to, uh, to present his film and to give a film lecture um, at the Bauhaus uh, when, uh, with his new city, then at that point, new city symphony, man with a movie camera, um, at a moment where he's touring across Germany to introduce his film. Uh, um, and visits other um, like important uh, film exhibitions, such as uh, the film and photography exhibition. Um, so this like closeness of 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 the Bauhaus to the world of cinema is is one thing. Um, in in another really interesting, I think twist um, is and what I work on very specifically in my book is that we don't only have that like vital connection of bauhausler to the field of film like where um, famous actors and actresses um, appear in their visual work in photo collages uh, cut out images of greta garbo and and marlene dietrich there's a huge fascination as in other avant-garde circles with Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd, who also appears like on one of the early advertising sketches of um, of uh, Herbert Bayer. Um, but we also um, have film screenings within the walls of of the Bauhaus. Um, shortly after Mohoi Nash um, um, Appears or arrives at the Bauhaus in April 1923. Um, he begins preparing uh, for a film program for the first major exhibition of the Bauhaus, the Bauhaus Week in Weimar in August 1923. And the films he selects for this program are really striking and, and most of all, unexpected. Um, he selects uh, an entire range of advertising films, uh, scientific films, nature documentaries, um, films about the transmission of a transatlantic cable from Germany to the US. And um, I was most of all really struck by this um, consistent um, screening of, of nature documentaries. And these were tied uh, to Moholy's interest in, in time-lapse and slow-motion and micro-cinematography. So he would select films. Um, one film was called The Soul of Plants, which showed um, the growing of flowers and other plants uh, in, in time-lapse photography, um, he would show um, a microscopic film of the blood circulation of frogs. Um, he would show um, a recurring interest, of course, at the Bauhaus is the crystal. And and the films um, that they projected in, in at least two occasions were microscopic films of liquid crystals. So there was a kind of fascination with with life on screen and the constant transformation of organic forms on screen. That was, um, yeah, a really striking feature uh, that I discovered. And um, maybe just one, one other uh, or a third example uh, were really um, apart from going to the cinemas and apart from. Um, from creating these own like Bauhaus film programs, which were shown at the major Bauhaus events, so they were not. Um hidden or occasional programs that were very uh, publicly um, announced and advertised as part as part of the larger idea of the Bauhaus. Um, but there were also these very private and impromptu screenings. And in my book, I write about um, one of my favorite examples, which were Bauhaus dance evenings. And and one Bauhaus student, uh, Heinz Leuf, um, Starts going around uh, to the different uh, local cinemas in Dessau to collect uh, leftover film strips. So film strips that were cut off from film reels um, due to length or censorship, um, and he he built them. He he. Um, Composes them into very impromptu uh, montages. We can imagine them probably as a kind of nonsense montage, or so, um, very playful. Um, and uh, and so they had Bauhaus dance evenings that stood under the motto "forward, backward." So upon the call of of the audience, um, he would project these impromptu film montages forwards or backwards and then the rule was that Bauhausler would dance forwards or backwards as well uh, in, in synchrony with these sound strips and this is of course a very playful example but I, I think it shows something of that inventiveness of 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 working with film uh, even though there was probably not enough right material available to to do their own film works at least at some point right in in Bauer's history and then this yeah this inventiveness to to work with whatever they could get into their hands at that time yeah.
1: That's right. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fascinating how you show in your work um, just that the variety of engagement with film, as you just noted, you know, from advertising films to scientific films to these experimental um, uh, approaches in montage. um, And it really kind of um, highlights just the, the, the power of film as an agent of change um, at the Bauhaus, which you foreground. Um, I, I also I want to know that um, I, I, uh, you introduced the concept of failure in your study as well, film and failure. <laughs> and I think readers will will find that I think quite um, yeah fascinating to to bring back that history of you know those films that didn't work out or were not shown. They also constitute part of this story, which really gives it uh, a, a quite quite a quite a, a new layer. Uh, I think um, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Yeah. you want me to jump in with one example of, yeah. of film and failure? Perhaps. I think I think this is such a great point, and and um, it's also so important uh, to know. I think that so much um, of the history of film experiments at the Bauhaus is also still. In fragments, there are still uh, rediscoveries being made. So, um, a lot of um, new material will hopefully even emerge in the years to come. And and so much, I think, of the history that I stri- uh, strive to tell is is really a history of, of attempting to work with film, even though it, it, it's not always worked in the way they envision it. And one Example that I um, that I write about in my book is um, is a kind of playful celebratory poem uh, that Oscar uh, Schlemmer performs and writes with uh, the input of his fellow Bauhaus masters um, on the occasion of Walter Gropius's departure from the Bauhaus. So uh, when he announces that he will step down as the first director of the Bauhaus in 1928, um, Schlemmer and other Bauhaus masters and students are gathering to, to uh, write a kind of chronicle of these First uh, nine years of the Bauhaus's existence, and they perform it, uh, it. It it exists only as like a, a manuscript, a type a written manuscript in the Bauhaus Archive in Berlin, where I did most of my research uh, and and sat with those uh, documents uh, for for a long time. Um, and so this uh, it's almost like a um, yeah the script for for a play uh, in which he notes. Um how different people um are supposed to appear um uh, holding up some of their um most, uh, important works. <laughs> he, he envisions Lionel Feininger to appear with, um, the woodcut that, uh, was part of the Bauhaus Manifesto. He imagines, uh, Laszlo Wojnáj to appear with, um, with one of his photograms and so forth. And, and in this, uh, in this performance of or recounting of the first years of the Bauhaus, uh, he frequently, um, in his notes, writes film, 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 <laughs> with lots of ex- exclamation marks, and and especially uh, when he comes. To retell the story of uh, the Bauhaus's move to Dessau and the uh, inauguration of the new buildings that Gropius built in Dessau in uh, in 1926, and and during that great opening in December uh, 26, uh, there was also um, another very um, very widely publicized film program that showed, uh, among other. Again, we have like a slow motion study of an athlete, like in the 23 program, we have a study of liquid crystals, but we also have a projection of Gropius's own, uh, what he called his Bauhaus film. which showed um the new bauhaus buildings uh, in dessau at times really in construction and in the making and and in these moments uh the script the manuscript by uh, schlemmer shows he wanted to project these films as as part of this retelling and recreate like a mini film screening within that uh, performative poem and then uh, in a note again to uh, to his wife to schlemmer he he writes nothing worked out with these slides and it's just (laughs) just like the shortcoming of this amateur (laughs) that it did not work out so um and this is just yeah another um like another facet of, of uh, film and failure. Absolutely, and there are many other
1: yeah accounts. Yeah. No, that that's yeah. It certainly gives it a very different dimension. And I think we often <laughs> leave failures out. I think we have that practice a little bit, uh, but it's yeah terrific to see what this history looks like once once this material kind of uh, is incorporated into this history of experimentation with film. Um, well, I was wondering if we can go to the the um. The beginning, I guess, of the Bauhaus uh, work on preliminary course, uh, four course. Um, this was the progressive pedagogical program that served to um, introduce students to key concepts and ideas that were developed by the school. Um, and uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the role of the film within this preliminary course and the notion of film as polymedium, which is kind of runs uh, as a kind of central theme throughout throughout your study.
2: Yeah. Um, thank you, Ivada. That's an ex- excellent question, because I think it really moves us away from um, this encounter with film in different screenings and performances that are certainly a huge part of of uh, the balance of striving to work with film. But it also, and this is something that became more and more important in my book, um, film also became really what I describe as. As a, a medium of design or to work out design questions, questions of, of form, of color, of, of, uh, motion in, and one of the sites, uh, and that's why I think it's, it's great that you connected with the preliminary course is really in the different variations of, uh, the preliminary course. Um, this course, um, existed, this four course existed in, in, um, three different iterations over um, the 14 years of the Bauhaus' existence. Um, first, it was taught uh, by Johannes Itten um, and really shaped through his ideas of, of material practice. Um, and after his departure from the Bauhaus in 1923, um, Laszlo Moholy-Nagy and Josef Albers uh, jointly took over the teaching of the preliminary course um, with Albers. Albers' variation was dedicated to first semester students and Moholy's version um, dedicated to second semester students. So this was a preliminary course um, that every Bauhaus student um, had to go through for one year. And then um, these the experiences and the work that they produced in the preliminary course became um, a kind of Um, sign for the path that they would take uh, through uh, the Bauhaus workshops later on and um, so what I was interested in is really looking through um, the amazing visual documentation of student work that was produced um, in this course and so much of my book which I would really describe as a kind of archival book or a visual book because that was really the seed of almost all of the chapters. Um, so I was really looking through um, photographs and photographs of of, um, of student works, uh, which the Bauhaus, right, um, was very. And careful in documenting and and capturing uh, uh, through the medium of, of photography. And um, what I found in, in these three different iterations of the course was really, uh, or really like the seeds of a very expansive notion of film, which brought me to the idea of describing film, not as one medium (laughs) with a clear boundary but as a really sprawling expansive and experimental um, holy medium and i'll talk a little bit more about that um in a few minutes but um yeah just to give you like a sense of of the different variations of this course um in in it's preliminary course um and he was um this is very well known, but he was um, um, very deeply immersed in in Matasana and philosophy and and um, um, Eastern thought. Um, so in his preliminary course, there was a lot of emphasis on the study of uh, form and color uh, through movement and rhythm. And uh, famous are, um, I think, most of all, his breathing exercises that he. Incorporated into his teaching, um, which he understood as a kind of becoming aware and loosening of the body um, as a prerequisite or an attuning to um, a creative practice and What we find in these works is that the idea of movement and rhythm uh, really filters into the student works uh, produced in his course and and in um, my chapter, I specifically look at different rhythm exercises um they were called free rhythm studies and um, they are described as drawings that really emerge from a moving body in space which is a beautiful thing to think about Uh, and in many cases these free rhythm uh, studies look like meandering film strips that that float across the page and one of the um, these trip like drawings um, um, that um, I show in the book uh, was, in fact, made by Werner Gref um, only one year before he began to sketch his first uh, film composition in 1922, which is often seen as the beginning of, of film work at the Bauhaus. Um, then, um, in in the context of uh, Mohoi Naar's preliminary course, um, we really find like a shift towards or an embrace of um, of new materials as as part of these uh, material um, explorations and investigations that that are at the heart of the preliminary course. Um, Maholi at that time was was very interested in uh, in the potential and creative use of of plastics of so different kinds of plastics and This is something that we also find in his artistic practice at the time. Um, he begins to uh, paint on celluloid, for example, shortly after. He joins the Bauhaus in 23, and this is something, um, the fascination with celluloid and cellophane is something that I trace um, as emerging in student work um, around the mid-20s, and specifically in the balance studies and the tension studies, so studies of of materials in their uh, different uh, modes of interplay, um, which were not only, as in earlier years, incorporating wood and paper and glass and metal and wire anymore, but also uh, sheets of celluloid and cellophane, um, often in a very subtle study of of different degrees of transparency or the modes in which they would reflect light. and sometimes they they go along with notes on how how differently light is reflected by glass and celluloid and so they're really uh beautiful studies and and in the case um of joseph albers and this was a surprising find, um the work with um film as as a concept or an idea um a kind of philosophy of motion the idea of Film as a material object, like in the shape of sheets of celluloid, um, and also film as a kind of aesthetic program. So, the three facets that I describe as three facets of the poly medium or film as a poly medium throughout the book are really at play in Albers's course. Um, I expected to find that whole spectrum in Mahoney's uh, version of the preliminary course, but it's really Albers who. Who pronounces it as as um, like a, a kind of um, research or <laughs> mode of visual research into the complexities of working with film and um, there are some beautiful student works with um, film strips uh, sculptures of film strips unexposed film strips strips in which um, uh, in which different matches are 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 uh, piercing through the sprockets. Of the film strip to make to render like the elastic or bendable material of the film strip into uh, a structure that can stand and and take on new shapes and and we have um, examples in Albers's student uh, in the student work in Albers's course that really plays with um, questions of, of rhythm and intermittency so really um, there there is a large body of works that um, tries to adopt or move towards the aesthetics of film strips, which is something that I also discuss uh, in my weaving chapter and, and thinking about how students, um, all of the students went through one iteration or two of this uh, preliminary course gives you a sense of, of how distinctly um, film or the material of celluloid was introduced there and then really shaped the way um, the even more expansive ways in which film then came to play in the different styles workshops.
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda
1: Yeah, um, when, when I, we started this um, conversation, I noted that uh, we often know Bauhaus for its focus on architecture, kind of the new architecture that was developed uh, through the history of, of this school. Um, but I'm interested in how did these experiments in film that you've just described, and it's really, they're quite, quite diverse uh, over the course of this period, how, how did they inform the school's architectural imagination and um, influence kind of Bauhaus understanding of architecture as a synthesis of arts, as, as you put it?
2: Yeah, that's that's a beautiful question. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so vital to, to understanding um, the place of film and the ways in which that place also changed over time. Uh, during the Bauhaus years, um, architecture has long been described as a kind of um, the longest and most consistent um, aspiration of Bauhausler um, architecture under, understood as the synthesis of the arts was like already written into um, uh, into the Bauhaus manifesto by by Gropius, um, and um, even though um, an actual architecture workshop um, only really emerged around 27 when Hannes Meyer joined the Bauhaus and and um, subsequently um, became the second uh, director after Gropius' departure. And I think in my book, uh, there are many ways to think about the interrelations between film and architecture. Um, in my book, I, I describe film almost in similar terms as something that was on the horizon, even though it was certainly less pronounced than the striving towards architecture, but there was a striving um, towards film and to integrate film into the official curriculum um, of the Bauhaus. Um, And an interesting um, find in in the process of my research was that it was not only Laszlo who. Very openly and published uh, in articles in in film magazines to call for uh, the installment of an experimental film laboratory at the Bauhaus. But even earlier, already in in 1922, Oscar Schlemmer um, um, was was pronouncing the idea of installing a Bauhaus cinema, which he conceived of as as a site uh, to show. Um pedagogical films he writes about good pedagogical films from the realm of science and 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 um and so forth um but also for experimental purposes, so there is like um an early desire uh, to formalize film work uh, and I think especially to use film and this is coming back to your question to use film in a way as an experimental device as a Form of visual research that would also allow to work through and to think through constellations of form and the development, the evolvement of form that they understood as a distinctly architectural question. Um, when we look at the early um, works, uh, film sketches that emerge from the Bauhaus, um, which have been uh, Famously described as as reflective plays of colored light, they are so architectural right they show architectural shapes and forms in constellation and in motion and and one idea I think that was really present at the Bauhaus was that these um, film sketches this work with film could be a kind of of training ground for architecture, or could move the Bauhaus from a different viewpoint into into architectural work. Um, and more specifically, you, you asked about um, the role of film within the Bauhaus's architectural um, imagination, and um, and I think the area in which film was um, most vigorously um, explored as as a medium that could bring the Bauhaus one step closer um, to their long dream of a synthesis of the arts uh, was really the stage workshop and stage work at the Bauhaus. Um, I already mentioned Oskar Schlemmer as an early film advocate and and uh, somebody who was distinctly interested in film even before uh, Moholy uh, came to the Bauhaus. Um, and he also organized uh, one of the most um, um, interesting film screenings at the Bauhaus shortly after the inauguration in Dessau in December 26 and after the film program that showed Gropius' own architectural Bauhaus film. Um, so what he projected again um, in March 27 was um, another time-lapse film of plant growth. Called the Flower Miracle, which was a quite fam- famous like cultur film in Germany at that time, and um, he projected it in combination with uh, what he called a lecture demonstration that would introduce into uh, the forms and possibilities of stage work. So it's so interesting, or it was interesting for me to see how film. Was at the heart of what he described as the new potential of of stage work um, at the Bauhaus, um, especially as as they moved to Dessau, had their new building and, of course, a very famous uh, new Bauhaus stage. And and then um, in another facet of the connection between film and architecture and stage work, um, what I put uh, quite an emphasis on in my in my chapter on on uh, theater designs, is that uh, very early on, as as different Bauhausler were imagining new kinds of theater spaces, they imagined them with film projection, and often so some of these uh, um, designs that were circulating were um, a light theater or a spherical theater, and then later with Scopio's designs for a total theater, and was a vital element in that idea that there could be a Bauhaus stage or a Bauhaus theater that would be um, dedicated to a pure, um, immersive, multi-sensory and multimedia experience. So a lot of these designs had different moving stage elements. Um, And then again and again, uh, moving film strips that would uh, cross uh, and move across the ceiling of these theater domes and intersect with each other. Um, one of the most striking um, examples is really uh, Walter Gropius's unrealized um, sketch and design for um, a total theater, which he designed for um, theater legend um, Erwin Piscator, and um, it's kind of a culmination of earlier um, envisionings of, of sensory stages and theater designs in that he envisioned not only to really inundate the audience with, with projections of, of waves <laughs> coming towards them or masses running uh, towards them, but he also, um, and he envisioned 12 different film columns that would project like a kind of cross fire of films, but he also envisioned a kind of film tower in the middle of that theatre space that would project outwards. So we can really think about this as like a total immersive uh, space. And, and um, yeah, due to conflicts and complications, uh, this theatre was never built, but it's probably the closest that one of these, what I call poly theatres, uh, ever came uh, to, to um, its realisation.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the um, most really fascinating aspects of, of this this um, insight into, into the impact of film on architecture is, is this... Uh, the shift that you make in our understanding of Bauhaus architecture um, as a machine for living, which, you know, that is, it's, that's often been the kind of standard notion and thinking about Bauhaus, which is perhaps a little bit too simple in the sense that you bring in all this kind of synthetic thought and multisensory aspects of, of thinking, right. And, and, and that were, they were incorporated into, into Bauhaus architectural thinking. Um, so it really, it really shows how the yeah, film expanded that, that uh, approach to, to architecture in, in really, Quite surprising ways in many in many instances. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us. Um, well, you already noted or hinted on the role of women in in Bauhaus, um, and your work certainly foregrounds uh, a significant number of women who contributed to development of Bauhaus theory uh, and practice. And uh, it's often the case that these were partners of, or wives of or of Bauhaus masters. Um, you mentioned Ise Gropius, um, Walter Gropius's wife, who I, I think is referred to in your, in your book, or you found this, um, uh, uh the fact that, that she was often referred to as, as Frau Bauhaus, yeah. which is quite, quite <laughs> exactly. interesting. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> they were not only partners, there were plenty of students and, and, um, lecturers, um, uh, female lecturers. So, um, I'm, I'm. I want to talk a little bit more about that. I, I found that uh, quite quite extraordinary uh, sources that you come across there. Um, but one of the central focuses of your of your study is the weaving workshop and the intersection mm-hmm. between uh, weaving and film. So um, can you uh, talk a little bit more ab- about that uh, intersection between film and weaving? Yes.
2: Uh, thank you, Eva. Um, I I think. Um, thinking through and beginning to work um, on Bauhaus women in this context of of diving deeper and deeper into um, the Bauhaus ties to film was really one of the most transformative uh, moments in my research. Um, It was probably also one of the most unexpected finds in the archive uh, that brought me to think through those relations. Um, I, um, I addressed Women's work in two different chapters, and I really see those chapters as encapsulating um, like the the main contributions of of uh, women to film work at the Bauhaus. One is really in the realm of photography and visual work, and the other one, the even more surprising one, is within the weaving workshop. Um, so the way in which I came to think very expansively about Film in that context was that I was looking very expansively um, through uh, the works of Bauhaus artists. I uh, from the beginning I wanted this thinking about film uh, to be expansive and and to look into sources that nobody would really connect uh, with film work or even the thinking about film. And so I got interested in in looking at um, uh, Weaver's notebooks at the Bauhaus, Um, and these were beautiful, often hand-annotated archival objects um, and really chronicles of Bauhaus teaching, um, which contained uh, drawings of, of weaving techniques um small weaving samples often attached to the pages and then also bundles of of sample yarns and all kinds of weaving materials and and um in one of these uh, notebooks, I found um, a particularly striking uh, bundle of yarn, which was described in the notes as effect yarn, effect yarn, <laughs> and uh, which had like a beautiful luminescent quality uh, when when exposed or held into into a light source. And, and this idea um this find really made me think about uh, about um, textiles and luminosity, and I started talking uh, with uh, the the archivist. Um, at the Bauhaus Archive in Berlin, uh, and one of them, um, they were all fantastic and and so generous in in my research. Um, Nina Schoning um, pointed me uh, towards um, a whole body of weavings uh, that were working in which weavers were working with cellophane. And I suddenly realized the striking connection between what I described earlier um, uh, as a kind of training ground of of working with celluloid and cellophane in the preliminary course, um, and these striking weavings. Um, So what I found out, and this is again by going through um, accounts and, and short fragments of descriptions of Bauhaus' work. Um, so one Bauhaus uh, student, um, Franz Ehrlich, writes about conversations uh, that he had with Heinz Leuf. Um again, the Bauhaus student who would create those uh, impromptu film montages from leftover film strips and Greta Reichert um one of the members of the weaving workshop and they were just playfully thinking about like what could be a weaving material and then uh, they were they were speculating about weaving with different uh, like uh, strips of bamboo and then also uh, about cellophane and and so um uh, Margarete, um Droske writes about that in very brief notes that it was uh, really Greta Reichardt uh, who introduced uh, cellophane into the work of the weaving workshop. And so what they did was to take um, sheets of of, uh, cellophane um, and cut them into thin strips with which they would weave. So cellophane really became a material woven into these fabrics. And this happened, um, interestingly, at a moment of um, a larger reorientation of the weaving workshop. Uh, Gunther Stelze became the first woman to become a Bauhaus master and to lead the weaving workshop. And they were really trying to orient their work um, on the one hand towards a kind of um, feeding into the larger architectural aspirations of the Bauhaus, um, but also a distinct um, thinking about how can we create new uh, fabrics for the industry. And so when they started exploring the potential of weaving with cellophane, um, they discovered that there was a new, um, like a whole new body of uh, a whole new generation of fabrics um, that would be, um, and this is one of my favorite examples, um, but that would be um, washable, right? They would be um, durable, crease resistant. They would be water repellent um, and and not least, and this is um, I think perfect for, for a film and media scholar, they would be sound absorbing and light reflecting, right? And when I encountered these descriptions, I thought, this is the moment where textiles really become media, right where they become kinds of textile screens that absorb and project and and then I was started uh, I started looking. I asked Nina Schoening about like how many works are there and she she gave me an entire list of of these cellophane fabrics that I was allowed to look at um and I really and and the most beautiful thing was to see them. Really in motion. I think they were also thought of as being in motion. And I always thought, um, a still image. I have some uh, some images in my book, but a still image does not even capture the vitality of of their light reflectiveness and how they how they morph and and seem to be yeah very very movable. Tapes and, and there was such a substantial body of work. Uh, Gunther Stölzl makes cellophane weavings, Annie Albers makes cellophane weavings, and, and um, Annie Albers' um, diploma work, in fact, is a wall covering that is made with cellophane um, and uh, that she describes as sound absorbing and light reflecting, and it gathers so much. Interest in Germany at that time that even like the film uh, the the um the firm size like which was a producer of of optical lenses and projectors uh, they did like tests of and try to measure the the light degree of light reflectivity of of this fabric and then this this uh like proof right of of this luminescent uh fabric was printed in in uh in publications and magazines at that time and so this was just one really striking example and and that led me to think about how um inventive these Bauhaus women were and also how much um we can think about their work as a kind of i describe it as a Kind of hybrid media practice because that's something that we don't only find in weavings. But I found celluloid costumes. I found uh, Marianne Brandt makes beautiful celluloid costumes and celluloid earrings, uh, celluloid collages. So there's a whole um, a whole series of of celluloid and cellophane um, objects that that emerge and that really play with the idea of light uh, reflecting light and 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 um, yeah a kind of becoming media of of these objects
1: yeah absolutely and i think it gives a, a absolutely fascinating insight into how bauhaus used film as a as a material and in, in and uh, in addition to this really rich body of work um, in the weaving workshop. Uh, you also know that women uh, work behind the camera as well. Um, can you tell us about the work of women artists in the domain of film and photography that comes out of
2: this period? Yes, um, I'd love to, because this is such an important <laughs> chapter um, um, of of really the presence or how uh, women start to define um, their place in the Bauhaus, right? There there are a lot of histories written about uh, women in the weaving workshop um, into which they were often channeled against their will or first choices, right? There are famous accounts of um, Annie Albers and Gertrude Arndt who were not uh, um, picturing themselves as, as weavers, but then found their way and found like a mode of working within this workshop. Um, but another, um, another area that I really found striking for um, the articulation of what it means to be a woman artist um, in the 20s and at the Bauhaus was really in visual work. And, and there, were, uh, there was a substantial um, number of women in the photography workshop uh, which arrived um at the Bauhaus rather late in 1929 so 10 years after um after the the beginning of the Bauhaus um and um Sam Bauhäusler always thought that in the mold of the photography workshop, a film workshop could emerge. So Just Schmidt, for example, uh, writes proposals for a film workshop that would be modeled on the photography workshop, which is so um important and and um so um yeah, draws so many uh students into into its realm. Um And um, what I found in my uh, research on on film work by Bauhaus women was that um, it's striking to see how this film work equally moved into the realm of the personal and the political. And maybe to give you just one example, um, which I write about um, in this chapter um, and a really beautiful fragment of Bauhaus' life is uh, Ivana Tomlinovich's film, um, which is often um, described as just untitled (laughs) um, or um, in other archival resources, it shows up as life at the Bauhaus. And this was a film fragment that was only recently rediscovered. And it's such an important rediscovery because it shows us there was not only film work, like active film work at the Bauhaus beyond Gopius' own film project, his Bauhaus film, but it was also film work in the hands of of Bauhaus women. Um, And this, um, and when I talk about these works hovering between the personal and the political, um, this short fragment, um, it's only a one minute fragment. So often, right, working or writing about film at the Bauhaus is really a history of writing or projecting into fragments uh, and trying to tease out what what the larger uh, film could have been like. So there's a lot of speculative history embedded in in working in that mode. But what we see in this short fragment is um, a kind of um cinematic diary it's like fleeting views of fellow bauhausler um who are appearing um um in the bauhaus like outside of the bauhaus cafeteria we see very fleeting moving shots of of uh, the famous facade of the preller house so the student studio building um with its famous iconic balconies um and um it's like these little Snapshots of Bauhaus life, which are so playful. We have um, we have Bauhausler gesturing uh, into the camera, or showing um, a new car, or or um, being captured like in the in park or um, at the river. Um, and so the way in which this fragment has been described since its very very recent uh, rediscovery in in Zagreb. Um, is uh, that it was potentially like a leftover, even cut out of a longer film. Um, And then I was really sitting down with this fragment that remains. And I was struck by the way that um, there was a very careful framing um, of these few seconds of film of this minute. Um, And I think it allows us to think through, maybe it was not, Right, uh, a fragment after all. Maybe it was just like a mini, a mini Bauhaus diary, a kind of uh, a kind of um, yeah, a kind of snapshot of of Bauhaus life. And when I talk about framing, um, so it opens with um, with again a backwards projection of footage from a silent film. So we see the film moving backwards and upside down. And at the end of the film, uh, the film is turned, is projected forwards and turned um, the right way up. So there's a kind of framing device that's really playful and potentially connects to these forward-backward dense uh, evenings that I, that I mentioned earlier, um, we also see how, uh, um, uses negative footage. So there's another fragment that emerges just for seconds before we move into, um, her very like moving, shifting views of the Bauhaus facade. Um, and these fragments, this negative image, um, shows a kind of, um, yeah, and kind of overcome or more traditional architecture that would be the way I read these pictures is that it gestured towards um, an earlier form and architecture of the arts academies as, as they existed in different um, German and European cities. And then, um, Tom Ljanovich apparently, like, um, uses a paint to brush over um, this architecture. We see broad brush strokes on the film strip and as if she was like crossing out, right? Visibly crossing out an earlier form of architecture. And then exactly, and then we move into a very moving shot uh, down the facade of the Bauhaus building. So there's something about yeah a kind of institutional critique embedded in it and just i think it it speaks to to the fact that it was probably not a fragment not a leftover but something very carefully framed and thought through even though it was like right a minute film <laughs> and 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 i think it allows us to really think about like um how to how to think about fragments at the bauhaus and maybe they tell us much more than just being uh, left over. Leftovers,
1: yes. Um, I think readers will find um, a, a wealth of, of material on, on women in Bauhaus and just extraordinary ways in which um, they, they engaged with, with this new medium and um, uh, really, really innovative um, output that came, came through that process. Um, and yeah, again, I have to say I was uh, absolutely surprised the number of, of women who participated in, in these experiments, um, often, often ta- including including uh, just the work that you mentioned by uh, Ivana Tomljenovic, which I've never come across uh, before. So I think there will be, yeah, readers will definitely find uh, really a treasure trove here. <laughs> um, um, another really uh, surprising aspect um, that you bring into conversation here is the relationship between the film and design or concept conceptualization of Bauhaus exhibitions. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about this link between film and exhibition design?
2: Yes, um, this was really one of the starting points. after having concluded my um, archival research, uh, which could have gone on, I think, for many, many years. <laughs> it <laughs> definitely it sounds was,
1: like, yeah, there was yeah. A, a, quite a lot of yeah, fantastic <laughs> it, material it,
2: there. It, yeah, and it had a kind of built-in ending uh, because the Bauhaus Archive in Berlin was closing mm. um, in December, on December 31st <laughs> uh, uh, in, uh, in uh, 2016 uh to to move into a renovation phase um of of the archive and uh, a new um a new museum building, um, uh, just a few be- a few years before the big centennial. So I was part of of a very small group of uh, three or four researchers, who who were lucky to to be the last ones <laughs> and to spend uh, the last month before um, several months before the closing of the Bauhaus archive there. And so we were all. Um, it was a very collaborative uh, spirit. We were we at that time, we knew each other's uh, focus and research ideas. And so sometimes they would point me to especially uh, striking or cinematic (laughs) objects or photographs. So so there was a lot of, uh, yeah, really generous uh, exchange and camaraderie. Um, And one of the um, really last things that I moved into very deeply the entire last month of my research in December um, 16 was dedicated uh, to visual documentation so this was the whole month I had worked through letters right I keep referring letters and diaries and so I had worked through all this like paper work and paper material but then I thought this is the moment I have to switch into really visual documentation. There's a huge photography collection, and one substantial portion of it is really documentation of Bauhaus exhibition work and I sat with those images and I took photographs of them and In the months that that followed um i I was really sitting down with this body of of exhibition documentation. And um, that became the seed of my exhibition chapter, which was the first chapter that I wrote. And I think it also, in a way, framed the way in which I worked in the entire book, which was really starting from the object, starting from a visual documentation of what was there. And I was so interested in these exhibition uh, projects, um, which are written about a little bit, but not in relation to film. And so sitting with these images, I, I began to see more and more references of film uh, coming up in in those um, in those photographs um, I discovered and it was really like a very a joyful reconstruction work. I would like draw plans to, to uh, in a way, um, try to project myself in that exhibition space and how it would have been to walk through those. And what I found was not only very distinct references to film uh, and to specific elements uh, that I'll talk about in a minute, but also um, thinking through the way in which bodies would move through these exhibition spaces, I, I began to see that there was a kind of a cinematic logic at play in, in the choreography of, of the past, the parkour through this exhibition. And that really became, um, I think the main argument of that chapter. That on the one hand, yes, what we find again, um, um, are projection rooms. And sometimes they were called cinema boxes <laughs> that showed, uh, that projected films. And again, we have a uh, culture film, so these culture films, educational films that instruct about water and gas technologies and 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 show us a history of water and and things like that um we also have um a very unique um presence of film strips as a kind of um way to incorporate um to advertise these exhibitions on the one hand i write about the hygiene exhibition the Bauhaus booth at the hygiene exhibition uh, where the main image is really um a film strip um and and the film strip shows like on the margins the word akfa so and there's a lot of like fascination with akfa film strips that we find in these exhibitions so we have um we have cinema, film projection, we have projection booths um, in another exhibition, the building exhibition in Berlin, I found a very interesting, like almost hand operated viewing device in which uh, visitors would turn a handle and then different images of, of um, buildings processes would emerge and new machines would emerge, uh, like behind a mini screen. Um, so we have all of those elements. We have um, often a kind of meandering, almost film strip like exhibition wall that guides through this exhibition. Um, so on the one hand, a lot of cinematic elements. Um, that are that are part of these exhibition designs but also um, really what I described earlier as a kind of cinematic logic. So in the arrangement of these different elements um, they were really thinking about processes of like framing and projecting sometimes we would see like word projections on screens that would move uh, with the movement of the visitors. Um, we have uh, one of the most striking, Element uh, in the um, building exhibition was that they apparently had um, light up um, arrows on the exhibition floors that would <laughs> that would emit sounds and lights when you walked <laughs> like in the correct <laughs> order. And there's such a exactly there's such um, a choreography that is really when you reconstruct these uh, exhibition spaces are really a kind of motion-based uh, spatial choreography that I describe as really um, working like uh, almost akin to to a cinema experience where different images and lights and motions would appear um, across uh, that exhibition space. So um, I think in the way in which I describe it in this chapter, is really that exhibition design, uh, which was often a collaborative um, effort of, of Bauhaus members, but also former Bauhäuser. So after Gropius, Moholy and others depart from the Bauhaus, they're still um, part of, of a larger group who creates these exhibition designs. And I describe exhibition design as a kind of laboratory for film work. At the Bauhaus, um, the kind of laboratory that that Moholy envisioned and Schlemmer envisioned and and Schmidt envisioned, and and there's um, a lot uh, that was, I think, realized in in those exhibition contexts. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely, and I, and I think they also come through as another example of this uh, kind of synthetic approach, uh, the synthesis of arts that is really at the, at the heart of, of exactly. Bauhaus thinking. Yeah, yeah completely. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I have a. I wanted to ask you a, a, a question that is really focused on your sources, um, and it's as, as I think our listeners uh, by this point we have a good sense of just how rich your uh, source base for your book is, and just the diversity of this of this material that that comes through. Um, um, I, I had I came across many surprises reading yeah. your book. But I, I was wondering if you can give us an example of um something that really came through as a big big surprise um, mm-hmm. for you as as you move through your research, whether that's kind of in terms of sources or some of the conclusions that, that you come across.
2: Yeah, I am I'm happy to give you one um, yeah. <laughs> one example. Um because I was really um struck by like how expansive, right, that that thinking about film was how how many different sources I I ended up finding um and and really how films built into not only like almost all of the workshops that's why I ended up dedicating the chapters to different workshops but also extracurricular work and, and dance evenings and public events and and all of this but but um, so there were a lot of surprises uh, for me as well um, the cellophane weavings maybe my uh, some of my favorite objects but one one really striking uh, find um, that also um, is I think indicates a lot about why uh, film at the Bauhaus was Overlooked for such a long time, and why it hasn't been um, addressed as much as I think, uh, right? It deserves to be in Bauhaus research. Is really um, that um, that it was often really omitted from uh, from Bauhaus sources, right? We have this really um, vital and, and substantial um, volume that Hans-Maria Wingler writes, the Bauhaus, um, uh, uh, which is a collection of, of, of resources, um, of, of original documents that were then um translated into other languages. It was published uh, with MIT Press in the US. And I think it's really a source that a lot of researchers go to because of such a rich uh, collection. And and for example, when I was looking at, uh, at film screenings at the Bauhaus, and I was interested in, in um, one of the most famous uh, costume parties, the metallic uh, party, uh, in in uh, february twenty nine and I was trying to find out um if and how film played a role in this festivity because there was such an ongoing um, trajectory of projecting films right in public bauhaus events and and as we just talked about exhibitions. and so the fragment uh, from from contemporary reviews that are printed um in in wingler's book uh, do not mention film right but then I tried to go to the sources and and suddenly right I could find uh, I could find more details on it and there's an account of of um, of a screening um, um, a contemporary reviewer who writes about like this playful swirl of images that populated uh, the Bauhaus auditorium and that led me into researching like what could this World of images have looked like. And then I found um, in the work of um, Jean-Paul Gergen, who has done amazing archival research uh, on on Bauhaus um, and contemporary artists, um, he writes about Albrecht, uh, Victor Blum's montage films and the fascination that Moholy had um, with. Um, with the work with the montage work of bloom and uh, then i encountered or made the connection to um, to a film um, that bloom made uh, just before um, the Metallic Party happened, and it was a film uh, with a very long titled <laughs> title. Um, animals. Uh, I, I have to <laughs> see if I can get it together, but it's like about um, urban animals, and <laughs> and and, and uh, so a sequence of of terms. Um, and then the subtitle is um, is dedicated to the Bauhaus in Dessau. So there was a film that was made for specifically for and dedicated to the Bauhaus. And there are reasons to believe that this was the swirl of cinematic images, the swirl of film images that was uh, projected um, in the Bauhaus auditorium that night. Um, and and another, uh, which just tells us like how much was really um, considered as not Vital information, perhaps, and thus, right, fell fell through like the cracks of Bauhaus documentation and how it has been mediated in in years afterwards. And a very related example is um, again, that brings us back to the beginning, um, uh, Isagropius's Bauhaus diary. I was so interested in trying to find out. If there was any mentioning of film in the diary, so I sat down. This is a, a document that has never been published. It's only accessible in like handwritten form in the in the Bauhaus archive. And so, um, a very kind woman researcher saw me poring over those pages, and she said, "Oh, you're working on film." I I um, I read through the diary three times. You will not find any film in there. Um, it's, it's something that's not in there, and I still, I, I still kept on going, right? And I, and I still, uh, I wanted like to persist and to, uh, to really think, to really find out myself uh, um, if there was something in it, and also because um, I think my, my by that time, uh, my definition of film was so expansive, right? It, it related to a larger philosophy of motion or moving forms. It related to very material experiments with celluloid. It related to a larger idea of a cinematic aesthetic. So it was such an expansive notion that I felt maybe I can find something, even though I trusted this uh, researcher. To, she she I think wanted to to help me and save time, <laughs> but but um one of the most striking things that I discovered in reading um, this document was that apparently Isa Gopios herself had a film project. And and she only writes about that in a little fragment um, of a discussion that she and Gopios had with the director of the ACFA film factory, so the manufacturer of film strips. And, and she writes about that she was discussing um, her own film plans with him and that this director, Dr. Kurschmann, kindly offered her um, his camera or a camera from the factory for, for her experimental purposes. And, and I think this was such a striking thing and, and so far, I want to say so far because I don't know what will emerge in the future, and um, there are no further notes about it. Um, I don't know of any film material that that remains from that um, that fragment. But it would have it would just rewrite that history of Bauhaus um, in such a way. It was um, almost a year before we have the projection of Gropius' Bauhaus film, right? So maybe it allows us. And a beautiful way to speculate that Isa maybe initiated right this film project or had her own ideas. And maybe uh, jean claude Gergen also writes about how distinctly evol- involved she was in the making of that film. And it just like allows us to recalibrate um, our common notions of of um this bigger project of the Bauhaus film, but then also uh, really the striving of Bauhaus women to to engage into that um field of, of exploration. And these tiny little notes tell us so much about yeah, how much is also lost, right, in this history. And and of course um it's a big um a big question for the film and media scholar, right? That that an incredible percentage of, of films that were produced before twenty nine were lost, right? I often tell my students that it's like, yeah, the, the numbers vary, but it's between seventy and eighty percent or so, which are of films which are likely lost. So that allows us to think through like what film material might reappear or which film material might have been lost, but these fragments allow us to to uh,
1: reconstruct what 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 might have been. So. Yeah, Lava, I have to say that your perseverance with fragments and approach to fragments and care um, for these uh, tiny clues along the way really produce some incredible insights. And I think um, readers will will find yeah qu- quite a quite a different history of Bauhaus that that you put together in in this manner. Um, Lava, thank you so much for walking us through your study through your research experience and through this really incredible um, and rich history of of Bauhaus, Um, what are
2: you working on at the moment? Yes, well, thank you so much Eva for for this wonderful conversation. And um, I think what I knew from the very beginning um, and I have like still such a huge archive of of, of photographs and resources um, that I still wanna work through. So from the beginning, I knew that um, the material would sprawl beyond one book um, alone. And so I decided to really focus uh, design and motion on uh, the active years of the Bauhaus to really write about uh, 1919 to 33 with like a little bit of an outlook into post-Bauhaus works. But there was this huge material um, really of film and media experiments of of uh, sometimes a very adventurous nature that I found that were um, produced in in the years after the Bauhaus was forced to close. So I always knew that I wanted to continue and and write um, or continue this history and to think through these uh, these experiments. And um, uh, so the current book that I'm working on. Um, It's also, you described it so beautiful as a, like an alternative history of the Bauhaus. And I think my current book uh, attempts to do uh, this um, as well, but from a different angle. And I developed this book or the seed of the book um, during a fellowship year um, at the Getty Research Institute in 1919 19 and 20, where I was part of a fellow cohort um, dedicated to the annual theme of art and ecology. And uh, the seed for this project was really um, My, my sense of, of, of surprise and and not being able to fully make sense of, of all of those, uh, what I described earlier of those nature documentaries and fascinations with like organic and non-organic life on screen that we find in Bauhaus, uh, in Bauhaus film screenings. Um, and so I was starting to look more distinctly into these early modes, um, of ecological Thought at the Bauhaus, um, which have been addressed in in the work of Oliver Botar and Peter Anker, so there is a body of research that talks about biocentrism at the Bauhaus. But what I was really interested in, and what I'm still on the path of developing, is really how how earlier notions of of ecological thought and organic design, organic architecture, which is again surprisingly so present at the Bauhaus and again allows us to rethink what the Bauhaus really is or was (laughs) and can be Um, but how these discourses were really tied to and worked through um or pushed forward through uh through moving image media and and these early um screenings of, of plant life and animal life and crystals that are morphing and moving, um, they're they really a kind of seed of the book. But then I really move into, into uh, several chapters, um, each of which uh, is rooted in like a post Bauhaus object or media experiment. And uh, just to give you maybe one example, uh, one of my favorite examples early on, which I wanted to write into Design in Motion, but then there was no no space for it. Um, It's really a set of uh, stereoscopic slides, so 3D uh, slides uh, that Gropius produced in 1944 um, in collaboration with Louis Sutro, who is um, an engineer, a young engineer and designer Uh, from MIT's instrumentation laboratory, and these slides capture a kind of visual walk through his own private home uh, in Lincoln, um, Massachusetts. This is when he, after, right after he moved to the U.S. Um, So they were trying to capture this house through um, stereoscopic vision, so through a very embodied moving tactile form um, of image and and the interesting thing is that the stereographs themselves are, are really filled um, with plant life. They, they show how architecture and garden and architecture environment really grow into one another, which is also something that we don't connect with the Bauhaus, at least not at first glance. And and this is a moment in the late 30s, early 40s, when Gropius begins to write about his concept of, of living architecture. Um, which he describes as a kind of corrective term or a kind of counter concept to what he criticizes in his writings as an increasingly inert or frozen or petrified notion of the international style. So Gropius tries to rewrite Bauhaus' history in a way, or, or a kind of proliferation of the Bauhaus idea that has become synonymous with um, the international style, and he tries to 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 propose a different concept, an organic architecture, a living architecture, and I was so fascinated by this. Um, object by the, the set of stereoscopic slides because this is right the way in which he seeks to demonstrate like there is a different mode of thinking about Bauhaus architecture that is embodied moving tactile like living filled with plant life and that really brought me back to look through sources in the 20s and i was struck by the way in which in parallel with these film screenings, we find discussions about like growing houses and cell architectures and space membranes and and these terms are always emerging in a way at a time or in tandem with uh, film screenings or at least in adjacent moments and and so this is something uh, that I'm really excited to explore more um, yeah as a kind of follow-up program, uh, project, and it will also yeah, be very much dedicated to the work of, of Bauhaus women and talk about women and art and ecological thought, which is a very, very rich uh, field.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I have to say that, you know, um, when I think about Bauhaus, it, it had a, such a short lifespan technically but such an intense period of, of creativity of innovation experimentation it's really fascinating to hear the extent to which those ideas first of all persisted but also are, are sound today current it, they are equally fascinating and relevant today um, so I, I think it's a fascinating way or uh, well, path of, of, of research and uh, i do hope you'll come back to talk us about your new book oh, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> in, the, in the in the future um, thank you so much for um, our conversation today Laura um, really appreciate it um, and uh, all the best with your research
2: thank you so much Eva this was an amazing conversation and yeah thank you so much for having me here